Welcome to the Ultimate Fighting Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Henson. So today we're going to talk about UFC 246. Then we're going to get into some news topics from this week and some topics from tonight. And then we'll talk about next week's fight card. But we're going to switch it up a little bit. We're actually going to start out with the main event today. So... One reason I wanted to do this is because, of course, somehow there's a lot of controversy with this, even though there was, like, no controversy with this. But in the main event, we had Conor McGregor versus Donald Cerrone at 170 pounds, not 155. Just want to clarify that for people who were not aware, this is at 170, and also for Dana White, this is at 170. Now, I was rooting for Cowboy, and I was rooting for Cowboy pretty hard, so this is a little bit disappointing, but I I gotta give it to the guy, it was a good win, Connor comes out and, and comes towards Cowboy and then immediately goes for the left jab, Cowboy ducks it, Connor manages to kind of hit Cowboy with a knee, Cowboy uh, comes back up, they clinch, and Connor does shoulder strikes. He does four of them, and, and while doing this, he maintains a really nice front stance, which was really nice, and pushes forward as well. He then, after the four shoulder strikes, connects with a left roundhouse kick that rocks uh, Cowboy, and... Then he he throws a couple of left hooks as he comes in near the cage, and Cowboy goes uh, goes down and and get, he's rocked. Connor follows that up with some ground and pound, and it, it lasts about another maybe five ten seconds. Herb Dean gave him plenty of time, and it was really good. I was glad about that. Cowboy was just unfortunately not able to really recover and get anywhere with this. He wasn't able to land any strikes during this fight. It, it was overall just a good performance by, by Connor and kind of the performance you want when you're returning to the octagon and into your career. Hopefully. We'll see. But, you know, a, a lot of people, of course, are upset. And I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm bummed that Cowboy lost and Connor won this for, for many reasons. Partially because the only fight I care to see Connor and even remotely care to see Connor in it is Diaz. But there's of course talks about other fights and Diaz is not one of those fights. And Cowboy is a veteran who who deserves a good payday, deserved to to have a victory over Connor and, and managed to stand that, you know, the those top three, four people in the lightweight division. But uh, you know, he he did Connor did catch him, but uh, you know Connor. Connor definitely won this. He, it's impossible to say he didn't win this. I mean, it was very one-sided victory from from Connor. Uh, Cowboy was very you know humble about the defeat. He you know gave it to Connor. It's like yeah, you know you won. Both guys pretty nice to one another, hugging, hugging. Connor hugged. I, who I, I believe was Cowboy's mother as well. 
you know, um, that, that part I really enjoyed. It was kind of the first respect we've seen from Connor in years. Just the, this entire fight, the, the build up to the fight, the lead leading to the fight, the press conference, the post fight, all of it was, it was kind of just the first respect we've seen from Connor in, in years, possibly since he came into the sport. So that, you know, that, that was a really refreshing from Connor. Uh, I'm still waiting to, to see what, you know, where we really go from here. If Connor's, you know, really kind of thought through how his career has gone and, and if he really sees where he belongs or not. Now, there there's a couple things relating to this I also wanted to talk about. Cowboy... Uh, a lot of people are saying Cowboy took a dive or a fall here for this fight. One, that's insane. Um, <laughs> that, that's insane because, one, it's Cowboy, and Cowboy would never take a dive. Two, Cowboy got paid like $200,000. If he wins, he gets paid another $200,000. It's not like he's making a fortune to lose this fight here. And... Most people probably wouldn't have paid Cowboy to take a dive just because they would. Everybody discounted Cowboy and thought Connor was going to win this fight anyways. Um, it was a huge disrespect part uh, on the fans, the MMA community, and everybody against Cowboy. So to to say that Cowboy took a dive is a ridiculous statement, and to say you're also no longer a fan because a cowboy took a dive or b because of the performance by cowboy were you really a cowboy fan to start with that's like all of a sudden hey my local football team went one let me pull out my jersey oh my team loss yep not wearing the jersey this week guys i saw that a lot in california when i lived in california chargers fans huge bandwagon fans and really that's what you are if uh you know, you're one of those, hey, one, hey, you lost kind of guys, which I would more expect from Connor fans, but it's a little disappointing from quote-unquote cowboy fans. It's really just bandwagon at that point, and were you really a fan to start with at that point if you're saying, hey, you're not a fan now? Like, we have stood by the guy for so long. He's had so many fights. He's always had really stellar performances even if he doesn't win i mean fighting against ferguson was really good it just kind of kind of the end to it kind of sucked and you know he's had he has really good fights to think he would take a dive is insane and while you know while we're on the subject of cowboy connor I want. I, I saw this thing online that talked about all of Cowboy's injuries. He got a broken nose from the Tony Ferguson fight. He's had 24 broken ribs over his life. Uh, 12 feet of intestines lost to an ATV accident. Uh, after which he was temporarily pronounced dead. He has broken his feet one or more bones around 40 times doing... Uh, one or more bones but around 40 times. He has broken hands ha half a dozen times each. Split both lips while from a horse. 
and 15 years of grappling causing cauliflower ears, of course. You know, very extensive list of injuries. Now, also, Connor got a performance of the night bonus. When I first, you know, I was first talking to my cousin about performance of the night earlier, whenever we watched the Feely Yusef fight, because we thought Feely and Yusef might get performance of the night for, for fight of the night, because it was a really stellar fight. It was a good, it was very close. It was, it was a good fight. It deserved fight of the night. But let's go ahead and get into everything else. Before I do, you can see all of my ridiculous and controversial opinions on uh, Facebook at UFP-Ultimate-Fighting-Podcast or on Twitter at UFP2019. Now let's go ahead and get into uh, the prelims. So the first my the first one was Drew Dober versus Nazarov. In the the first round, uh there was a slip from Nazarov and then later in the first round there was a left hook from Dober as Nazarov came in for a leg kick that ended up dropping Nazarov and Got Drew Dober a TKO victory, one minute, ten seconds into the first round. This, this, I, I did manage to pick that one right. My picks were not very uh, good. And then we had a flyweight bout between number seven Tim Elliott and number twelve Askar Askarov. I picked Askarov on this one. In the first round, Elliott. Almost fell face first. Elliot had some really uh, decent uh, ground defense, utilizing his le his leg hooks and his and utilizing uh, um, his triangle. But overall, Oskarov kind of uh, narrated the first round with the ground game. And I gave it a 10-9 to Askarov. Then we go into round two. Elliot had a nice judo flip. Um, then they scrambled. Then Askarov got, uh, gets them against the cage. And just throws some knees to Elliot's thighs and the clinch. And then Askarov is looking for a takedown. But he doesn't end up getting it. And then... Elliot, throughout the whole fight, really, wasn't very good at keeping his fist up. He, he he ate a lot of punches throughout the whole fight. Just really ate him. And didn't really have much of an answer for him. Kind of just was like, hey, keep, you know, keep, come at me, come at me, come at me. And uh, Askarov was really throwing him, too. And landing him, and they were solid. Feely did manage to get another judo flip and get into half guard during the second round, but Askarov was attempted an armbar. He didn't get it. Elliot got side control, and then while 
uh, defending a, a got side control while defending a triangle attempt, and then they kind of scrambled some on the ground and and transitioned back and forth, and he went for another triangle attempt but failed. I gave uh, that one a ten ten tie. And then in the third round, Elliot just ate a lot of Askarov's uh, strikes. Elliot delivered some body shots, like in succession, though. And then the the, the last round was just very weird. Um, it was hard to really take much notes on it. It was a very weird round. Um, it was a good fight overall. I'd really recommend going back watching this fight. The last round was super weird, though. It was it was hard to really even to really put anything down for it. I gave the the last round a ten ten tie as well, and had it a thirty twenty nine for Askar Asgrov. Ended up going to the judges. It was a unanimous decision for Asgrov. I do not have the the numbers for from each judge this time. I don't have the numbers for any of the fights this time, uh, except for like one where I could actually hear the volume. So, I'll, I might have those next time, I'm sorry. But Askarov got a unanimous decision victory. Then we, I said Feely a couple times during that. It was not Feely, it was Elliot. Then we go into a featherweight bout with Andre Feely and Sadiq Youssef. This was a phenomenal fight. Phenomenal fight. Um, also, Yusev looks super jacked. Like, all the muscles. Uh, go and watch this fight also. So much happened during this fight and during the first round that it, it, was, it was so fast. Both these, spider, both these guys are super fast. It was so hard to take any notes because there was so much stuff. I would have had like a page of, of just notes. It was so fast. There were a couple takedowns and a knockdown from Feely. And then there was also a submission attempt from Yusef in the first round. In the second round, Feely got knocked down. I had it, uh, you know, it was a close fight. I had it scored for Yusef. Uh, 29-28, and the judges gave it unanimous decision to Yusef as well. Um, what the each judge scored it, I don't happen to have either. It's a women's belt between number 7, uh, Roxanne Modafferi, and number 9, Macy Barber. Macy Barber came into this undefeated with an 8-0 uh, winning streak. So the the first round was a ten nine Montefiore. It, it was Montefiore got a takedown. She was her ground game was very spectacular during this fight. A lot, a lot of the fight you see her get it to the ground and her kind of just dominate. If I recall, I think there were a couple of thirty twenty sevens and twenty nine and a twenty nine twenty eight. I think. Or it might have all been all three thirty twenty sevens, if I remember right. My notes are a little bit not there this time, but 
and, um, they go into the third round, and, and Macy Barber really messed up her leg. Uh, I read online that she had a torn ACL, which is insane. And she went into the third round, and the in between. In between the rounds, the doctor came in, and I was a little worried that the doctor was going to stop it. And then they started the round, and I, I, I kind of like took that worry, and it's like, uh, I kind of wish he would have stopped it actually, because it, it sucks for Barbara to go out this way on a loss, even though the first two rounds were definitely Montefiore's, and the third one was a lot closer. But I gave it to Montefiore as well, right from the gate. What I noticed was Barbara was had all her weight on her front leg and like no weight on her back leg, and you could definitely tell she had no weight on her back leg because she actually had it bent at the knee. And usually in a fighting stance, you have at least half your weight, if not all your weight, aimed on your back leg. Because if a if somebody kicks your front leg, you're not one of those fighters who ends up falling down. So when she had all the, her weight like aimed on her front leg, I was like, oh, this is not going to end well. She go, If Montefiore goes for a takedown or kicks that leg or something, this is going to be bad. Because it's just easily Barbara could fall. And Montefiore did end up getting a takedown and managed to, get, uh, managed to have control from the top for a while. Then Barbara managed to, to flip it. But Montefiore ended up flipping it back and getting back into to full mount. And somehow Barbara managed to get back on top into full guard. But then they transitioned around. Uh, it was good. The, the third round was a lot more interesting. It was a crazy round. I, I think Barbara needs to work a little bit more on her jujitsu. Ju and it was very unfortunate for her that her, her ACL was torn. Uh, Montefiore definitely won this fight. It was a really good fight. And then we start off the uh, main card with a bout with with Anthony Showtime Pettis and Diego Ferreira. I was not a huge fan of this fight because it, it seemed kind of weird to have Pettis versus Fiera, an unranked guy, especially after Pettis' last two fights were Tony Ferguson and then Nate Diaz. We're both ranked high guys, and yeah, Pettis is ranked number eleven now, but it's just it's just kind of weird, you know. But now, so and, and the other thing was, you know, this is an up and comer, and if Pettis loses this, it's kind of like, okay, well, what do you do with Pettis? So it wasn't a very good outing. Uh, Pettis's stand up was pretty decent, but when Pierre. Uh, Ferreira had Pettis down, which was a good portion of, of, of the fight. He was very dominant. He, his transitions were really good. His grappling was really good on the ground. I gave... It ended up going into the second round, and it ended up being a submission for what they put down as a rear naked choke. It looked more like a neck crank. And I believe Ferreira said it was more of a neck crank as well. It was 1 minute 46 seconds into the second round. It was not a good performance by Pettis. Uh, and on a three-fight losing streak, he could be up for release now. I see him going over to, to Bellator after this fight, really. 
with how UFC has been releasing people lately, I think this is probably the end of the road for Pettis as far as being a UFC competitor. And he's you know probably going to go over to, to Bellator with his brother. Now, with that in mind, though, there was another lightweight fighter who was at the UFC and went over to Bellator. You know, he fought Pettis a couple times in the past. Saying Pettis versus Henderson 3 could be a fight that happens when Pettis ends up over at Bellator. Then we have a bantamweight bout between Brian Kelleher and Ode Osborne. So Ode Osborne had a came into this fight with a seven inch reach advantage, which did not mean a whole lot. In the first round, Kelleher managed to to get on top. Osborne was staying pretty busy though, as Uh, stayed pretty busy from the bottom until Ode managed to, uh, or until Kelleher managed to get him into a sitting uh, guillotine. He had actually managed to to sit down on uh, Osborne's knees and have the guillotine up, and you could see Osborne's butt lift up from the pressure that Kelleher had on this guillotine and it was really crazy because then they uh Osborne fell forward and Kelleher still had the guillotine in but Osborne's right arm was also trapped in between Kelleher's leg and Osborne's body and then his left arm was in the guillotine so he had actually tapped with his foot against the cage, uh, against the mat to give Brian Kelleher the round one submission, two minutes, 29 seconds, and also a performance of the night bonus. And then we go into a heavyweight bout with Maurice Green and Alexi Olenek. Now, Maurice Green is huge. First off, he is six foot seven which to me is huge, and he was significantly taller than Olenek, which kind of ends up being a disadvantage, especially on the ground, because you have such long legs, and it's so hard to transition when your legs are that much longer. Now, the the first round was mostly on the ground. Olenek got Green down. Um, Green was still very active from his back, but Olenek... Uh, Got the takedown. He had a submission attempt. Um, I, I gave the first round to Olenek 10-9. Then we go into the second round. Green with some heart comes out with some hard knees. Olenek's missing some hooks. He clinches against the cage. They break the clinch. And then Green with a Green connects with a nice hook or kick and some hooks. Olenek goes for a takedown and gets it. Olenek's looking for uh, an Ezekiel. Olenek looks for an Ezekiel choke, but Green goes with a Kimura attempt with Olenek inside, while Olenek is inside control. And then 
Olenek breaks that and then goes for an armbar. And they're kind of like all pretzel together. And Olenek has this armbar seriously and good. And then he yanks it even more and just puts his green's arm somewhere where it definitely should not be going. And manages to get the armbar victory. Four minutes and 38 seconds into the second round. For what would be Olenek's 58th victory. And then we go into the co-main event with a women's bantamweight bout with number three, Holly Holm, and number four, Raquel Pennington. Now, for this one, I picked Pennington, uh, and I was wrong. Holly Holm had a really nice performance in this fight. There were some things I noticed throughout this fight. There were some similarities I noticed with her clinch work and John Jones' clinch work. You know, I, I watched a lot of uh, videos on Jones for a Legacy Series episode that I'm going to do in the future on John Jones. And his clinch work, he, he likes to get the clinch. He eyes the, the side of the octagon. And then he'll just push his opponent backwards until they're against the cage. And then do some nice clinch work, doing some knees to the thighs, doing some leg stomps, some, some sho shoulder to face, and some elbows. He has a very nice combination. And the similarities I saw were how, how Holmes, how Hollywood, you know, get the clinch. And then she would also push up against the cage. She would throw in some of the, the knees to the thighs. Uh, not so much the, the rest of Jones artillery and the clinch but just how much she pressured against the cage and for that clinch against the cage and she looked really good the last round was really close and so the clinch work I, I thought was funny how there were these similarities with her and John Jones because the crowd was booing relentlessly which you just shouldn't boo I mean you're going to watch an MMA fight this is a part of MMA Sorry to spoil that for you and disappoint you on there. But this is a part of MMA. This is what you're going to see. So don't boo. But I, I don't disagree with the judges on this one. All three judges gave it to Holly. Two judges scored at 30-27 and one scored at 29-28. I, I could see both of them just because the third round was a lot closer. You could give it to... You could give the third round to Pennington. But you also could give... The, the third round to Holly, and then all three rounds go to Holly. So I totally understand where they're, they're coming with that one. Then we go, oh, then we have the main event, Connor beat uh, Cowboy. I don't mean to say that in such a short manner, but we went over that at the beginning. So let's go ahead and talk about a couple topics real quick. So overall for fight picks, I was, I believe, let's see. One, two, three, four, for ten, five, five for eleven. Yep, yep. I got five out of out of eleven right. That's pretty rough. So let's go and talk about a couple of news topics real quick before jumping into next week's fight 
First off, some performances uh, performances of the night bonuses go to Drew Dober, Brian Kelleher, uh, Diego Ferreira, Alexi Olenek, and Conor McGregor. What's surprising about these is four of these were submission victories, which usually if usually with performances of the night, the UFC gives like maybe one of them to a submission, and then the rest usually go to knockouts. Which definitely surprises me, especially with how the Andre Feely Sadiq Yusef fight went. That was a really good fight. Let's let's start off with some releases real quick, because there there's not as many this week, uh, which is good. But Tiago Alves was released. He's kind of you know he's he's a veteran of the sport. He's been around a while, but his career was kind of up and down and. and recently has not been doing that great uh so they they ufc released tiago alves and so let's do some fight updates which i think is uh, remotely the rest of everything before we do some fight updates actually let's do some more news related to to the 246 card originally there was a fight scheduled with grant dawson on it his fight was actually pulled from UFC 246 due to a USADA hearing on January 22nd, and it's for an application for license to fight that did not get approved in time, and so possibly some other stuff, but that's all the news I have on that so far. And then the Claudia versus Grosso fight was pulled due to Alexa Grosso missing weight by five and a half pounds. And then the Nevada State Athletic Commission ruled her ineligible to compete, said that three pounds would have been acceptable, but five and a half pounds is not acceptable. And I kind of have to agree, but I mean, I feel like that should be up to the fighters. Claudia wanted to keep, you know, Claudia wanted to still fight, do the fight. Five and a half pounds is ridiculous. I've seen seven pounds before, and that was also by a female. Five and a half pounds is ridiculous you know if they were males i'd definitely say you know that you weren't trying you could probably you know attribute this to hormones and i don't mean that in like an offensive way it's just females bodies have hormones that that change on a frequent basis guys bodies don't do that so our weight doesn't fluctuate super crazy um, whereas the female body, it does change your hormones quite a bit and quite frequently. And so sometimes that does cause weight fluctuations. Uh, this is unfortunate for Claudia. I was really wanting to see Claudia fight and rooting for Claudia in that fight. So that, that sucked. So now let's go and talk about some upcoming fights and some fight changes so mighty mouse will challenge one one the one flyweight world champ adriano morais for the title on april 11th uh whitaker was removed from let's go back up a little bit mighty mouse i'm really happy about that mighty mouse came into one championship last year uh, with the ben Askren trade and I believe he's had three wins over there already, and this would be his fourth one. So he had three fights to work his way up to the title shot. Crazy concept, I know. 
listening UFC. Crazy concept. Uh, and now he's getting a, a, a title shot, which is really cool for, for Mighty Mouse. He deserves it. He's been promoted really well over there at one uh, championship. They've done really well with Mighty Mouse and really well with the promotion over there. Um, Whitaker was removed from UFC 248 fight due to personal reasons. Uh, he's probably going to be replaced by Till. But Whitaker, you know, said he's going to take some time, spend some time with some family, figure th some things out. It's been a tough last 12 months. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel that. I get that. He's, you know, he's a fighter. He's at fights with Adesanya and Gaslam and all that scheduled in the last 12 months. And then we have Cejudo versus Aldo in the works for UFC 250. This one's a little bit weird. I mean, it was a little bit weird when Ioana got a title shot, but now we're giving Aldo a title shot, and I get a lot of people say Aldo won, but he lost. It was a close fight. It was a close fight, and I, I can't be upset at it, you know, it not going all those way for that fight because it, it was a close fight. It could have gone to either guy. So to say it, it was Aldo, that everybody is completely wrong. It, it's kind of, you know, it it was close. It was close. I do believe Aldo won it, but it was super close. Uh, and so with the judges saying Rice won, you know, the the this fight is kind of weird. It's kind of weird, but. It's looking like it's going to happen. Now, there's been some funny things on Twitter based off of this. But, yeah, it's kind of looking like Aldo versus Cejudo is going to be a thing. And, uh, I don't know who wins that. I believe probably Cejudo, which would be kind of crazy to see Aldo lose to Cejudo. But it'll be kind of crazy to see Aldo at 135 pounds again. It's not something I, I was really expecting to see again. Okay, so let's go ahead and jump into UFC Fight Night 166. The main event is going to be Blades versus Junior Dos Santos. This is going to be January uh, 25th, next Saturday, at 7 p.m. For the, the main card starts at 7 p.m. and the prelims start at 4 p.m. So on the prelims, we have a featherweight bout between Herbert Burns and Nate Landweer. Then we have a bantamweight bout between Brett Johns and Tony Gravely. Um, I'm a, in the first bout, in the featherweight bout, I'm going to go with Herbert Burns. In the bantamweight bout, I'm going to go with Tony Gravely. Then we have a women's bantamweight bout between Sarah McMahon and Lena Landsberg. I think I'm going to go with McMahon on that one. I have a... Mm. Yeah, I'm going to go McMahon. 
And then we have a bantamweight bout between Montel Jackson and Felipe Colores. I'm going to go Montel Jackson on that one. And then we have a women's flyweight bout between Justine Keish and Lucy Pudelova. That's another hard pick for me. That, that one's going to be another hard pick for me as well. Just because, I mean... You know, both both fighters are pretty good. I like both fighters. Look at it, Pudelova's got more fights, but it's, you know their records aren't too far off from one another, really. When you look at it, I'm gonna go uh, Pudelova. I'm gonna go Pudelova on that one. And then we have a a featherweight bout between Arnold Allen and Nick Lentz. Man, there's some. Really good fights on that card. See, I'm gonna go Arnold Allen. Arnold Allen's on a win streak, and I believe he's got he's on a six fight win streak right now, which is the third I wanna say the third highest active win streak at Featherweight. And he's fifteen and one. Nick Lins is thirty, ten, two, and one no contest. It's a lot more fights than I thought Lintz would have. I like both fighters, um, but I'm gonna go with Allen just because this win streak's kind of kind of impressive right now. Then we for the then in the main fight on the prelims we have a middleweight bout between Bevan Lewis and Daquan Townsend. Bevan Lewis is six and two. Daquan Townsend is eighteen and eight. Which is about a 67% win percentage versus a 75% win percentage. But one has a lot more experience. I'm going to go with Bevan Lewis on this one. Both of the, the the prelims and the main card are on ESPN+. Plus. So we start out the main card with a light heavyweight bout between Jamahal Hill and Darko Stozik. Jamahal Hill is undefeated with 6 wins, 0 losses, and Darko Stozik is 13-3. and three. I'm going to go... Darko Stozik on that one. Then we have a women's strawweight bout between Hannah Cyphers, who is ten and three, and Angela Hill, who is ten and seven. I'm gonna go Cyphers. Uh, both are really good fighters. It's just that record looks a lot better than Hill's does. Then we have a flyweight bout with, between Jordan Espinoza, 14-6, and Alex Perez, 22-5. I like Alex Perez. He's pretty good. I'm, I'm going to pick him to win. 
Then in the co-main, we have a welterweight bout between Rafael Dos Anjos, 29 and 12, and Michael Chiesa, 16 and 4. I'm going to go Chiesa. Chiesa's been looking pretty good at welterweight. I like uh, welterweight for him. RDA's been doing decent, but he's kind of been on a downhill track trajectory of his career recently um i, I love R rda as well but i'm gonna go kiesa on this and then in the main event we have a fight i really like uh curtis blades versus junior dos santos both guys recently lost to nagano um and but curtis blades is 12 2 and 1 no contest both of curtis blades losses are to nagano and you know, uh, jds is 21 and 6 i'm really rooting for blades on this solely because you know blades was up there in the rankings and then he just got passed over without even losing a fight which was really messed up and i really think you know he could get back up there and get a title shot and I'd love for JDS to get up there and get a title shot again as well. But I, I'm a, I'm going with Blades on this. And I know this week's episode is a little bit shorter. There just wasn't a whole lot in the news this week. Um, they all, the fact that there is as much as there is is mainly because I happened to see a couple things right after I recorded last week. And I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. But, you know, it was some really good fights tonight. Uh, props to Connor. Props to everybody for for their fights tonight. You know, I, I'm a huge Cowboy fan. I'm really not much of a Connor fan. But Connor did win. It was a pretty decisive win, too. It was pretty calculated. Really liked the shoulder attack that he went with. So, congrats to Connor. No, it was not Cowboy taking a dive. That is dumb. Don't even say that. So, congrats to Connor. Follow us at UFP2019 on Twitter. Follow us at UFP-Ultimate-Fighting-Podcast on Facebook. And like, subscribe, leave a rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, uh, I believe Spreaker, Podbean, all those. Um, Podcast One. And you know, subscribing to those is free. And tune in and listen next week as we give um, some fight analysis on Blades and Ganu or Blades and JDS. Thank you, everybody. See you all next week.